Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood, and for the third week in a row, I'm late with story time. I'm recording this on Monday, it's supposed to be out on Monday, but hey, it looks like I'm going to be less late than I have in the last two weeks, so hey, that's something at least. I'm late this time because I went to Vegas over the weekend. Uh, my friend Aaron Clary, who uh, is Captain Capitalism himself, if you uh, haven't seen his podcast or his YouTube channel or read his books, you should because uh, he's a good dude. Uh, anyway, we went. he was there. I hadn't seen him in a while, so yeah, I'll go up and say hi. So we did some hiking, uh, played some poker. Not for money, though. Even we played with just friendly games of poker with some people. Uh, smoked some cigars, did some cool stuff, you know, good weekend, and, uh, flew back bright and early this morning, as in I took this 0600 flight from Vegas back to San Diego, so I could actually get some work done, uh, and, um, yeah, so that was the weekend, that's why I'm recording this on a Monday instead of, uh, some other time, but, um, fun fact, I'm actually going back up to Vegas on Thursday for a week. Uh, this time I'm driving up because I'm going to be staying at a friend's place and going to a writing workshop at the Golden Nugget downtown. And I could have stayed at the hotel downtown, but my friend's place is free, right? So much better to take the free lodging. That does mean I'll need wheels, so I'm driving up. Since I'm going to be there for a week, it'll be cool. Um, so the couple that uh, run the workshops that I go to, went to in Oregon... I think I've told you about before, uh, the anthology workshops that I've gone to. Uh, she was having more and more trouble with her allergies, and so I said, screw it, we're moving to Vegas. <laughs> I have all the workshops in Vegas from now on. And it's like, oh, that works great for me, because it's closer, easier to get to from San Diego. And, uh, you know, Vegas is, you know, the coast of Oregon is awesome. But in terms of convenience and just, just all kinds of, facilities and all kinds of great stuff like that Vegas is far superior so that's gonna be a good good week this one we're gonna be talking about the business of writing and publishing more than actually writing the stories themselves um but still be good to uh, hobnob with uh, other writing types get some ideas for marketing and all that sort of thing and you know re-motivate to uh, redouble one's efforts at the business which is of course always needed especially in my situation where I've uh, had numerous distractors and stressors that have uh, precluded a lot of things writing-wise the first, you know, half of, half of the year and more. And I'm into it again now, but, uh, you know, always helps to get a Kickstarter. Um, and not just if you need money for funding a project. Boom. Okay, so let's get right back into it then. We're continuing this week with the Necromancer's Lair, uh, the part three here. Last we left off, uh, Gareth had gotten wounded in a duel with uh, his 
old buddy Ranulf's reanimated corpse. The necromancer had revealed himself and yeah, showed himself to be a little more prepared than Garrett had hoped. And But hey, at least he got through his initial trap and we'll see what comes of it now. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. I'll talk to you again on the flip side. And again, I apologize in advance for my reading since I am not a professional voice actor. The Necromancer's Lair by me, read by me. Part 3. Heatherly timed off the final stitch in Garth's calf with a particularly rough jerk. It hurt, not as much as what Heatherly did with his shoulder, but it hurt. Gareth grimaced and had to suppress a snide comment. It would not do to upset Hatherley after he had gone to all the trouble of playing doctor. Besides, the manservant had emerged from the battle with the animated corpses quite a lot better off than Gareth had, and that was worth quite a bit. Thanks, Hatherley, Gareth said as he regrained his breath. Of course, my lord, Hatherley replied. He took a moment to coil the remaining thread, then he tucked it and the needle he was using into a case which he placed inside his pack. Then he stood and offered Gareth a hand. It took some doing, since he outweighed Hatherley by a fair amount, even without the heavy steel of his breastplate, bracers, and greaves. But after a bit of huffing and puffing, Gareth got to his feet. The pain in his right calf immediately flared, growing worse from the weight suddenly placed on it. Son of a whore, Gareth muttered, earning a quirked eyebrow from Hatherley. It'll be some weeks before you regain full use of the leg, my lord, he said in a clinical tone that Gareth had come to recognize so well. For that matter, your shoulder will be some time in recovery as well. I Just because I was able to force it back into its joint does not mean I got it, Hatherley. Anything else? The serving man shook his head, and Gareth felt a small surge of relief. Of course, he was right. Hatherley was always right. That was why he did such great business as a scholar for hire. Hatherley preferred the term sage, but what was the difference? Before the incident with the bandits that led him swearing fealty to Gareth. It would have been nice if he were wrong this time, though. Since Hatherley had worked his magic, Gareth's shoulder felt almost good again. Sore, but at least he could move it. He would not want to test that under combat conditions, though, or his leg, for what it was worth. And here they were, within the necromancer's domain. Small chance he would just let them go so they could come back when Gareth was fully healed and ready. He nodded, feeling resigned. I just hope the stitches hold. There will be more action ahead. Hatherley's other eyebrow joined its twin high on his forehead. My lord? He cleared his throat, taking a moment to glance back at the shattered cell and the now unmoving corpses littering the room. Perhaps it would be more prudent to go. Gareth had to suppress an amused smile. For once, he had made the leap of logic before his manservant. <laughs> well, wonders never ceased, it seemed. If I thought we had a chance in making it out without conflict... We would be on our way right now, he said truthfully. That necromancer will never let us escape, though. And besides, he gestured toward the ceiling they had apparently fallen through, somewhat more believable with the new hole in it, he had to admit. We cannot get out the way we came. Do you have any idea where the exit is from here? Hatherley shook his head and his lips lowered into a frown. Was that uncertainty? Gareth saw it in his eyes. Don't worry, Hatherley, we'll be fine. You'll see. Gareth heard the undertones in his voice as he spoke, and was surprised to not hear the mountain of uncertainty he felt come through. Maybe he was getting better at this being a leader bit. Hatherley was not the first who seemed to expect it of him, though he was the first to flat out swear himself to Gareth's service. 
<laughs> Crazy fellow. Hatherley just looked at him in silence. Gareth began to grow somewhat uncomfortable under his gaze. But finally, Hatherley grunted and said, Farewell, my lord. He stepped back toward the cell and bent over. When he returned, he held a length of metal out towards Gareth, the upper half from one of the broken bars. Makeshift, but this should work as a crutch. Gareth blinked. A crutch? What did he... He moved slightly, setting more weight onto his injured leg and almost collapsed from the incredible protest his wounds made. Indeed, a crutch was quite the thing. He made a shallow nod of thanks and took the length of metal. It was bent, and where it had been shielded off under the force of the animated corpse's pry bar, jagged. But it was about the right length. So he placed the jagged end on the ground, the more gently rounded end under his arm, and tried to take a step. It hurt. But it worked. He was at least slightly mobile again, and that was the best he could hope for. There was not much to the level of the tower, assuming they really were within the necromancer's tower, not somewhere else, that held the room with their cell. The doorway opened to a featureless hallway that encircled the room completely, and it did not appear to have any other exits. It was well lit, but there was no obvious sorts of light. It was just there, and that was more than a bit unsettling. They made two complete circuits of the hallway before Gareth finally stopped. This was getting nowhere, and besides, his leg hurt like hell. He needed a rest. Now what? It defies probability there's no way to get to and from this level, Heatherly said, his voice contemplative. Gareth snorted. He's a bloody spellcaster. For all we know, he could just, you know, he waved his left hand in the air, poof himself to and fro. Heatherly shook his head. I've heard that sort of spell is very difficult and requires great skill, and more importantly, it's very expensive. Gareth looks askance at him. Come again? The components required for a spell like that are very rare, or so the writings say. You would know, oh sage of sages. Gareth sighed and straightened his back. It felt good to slouch to put more weight on the makeshift crutch. Alas, there was work to be done, still, if he wanted to see his own bed again. Hatherley inclined his head in response to Gareth's words. A flash of a smile appearing on his face for a moment. He had apparently decided to take the remark as a compliment. Good thing, too, because Gareth had not meant it as an insult. A friendly jibe, a bit of teasing maybe, but certainly not an insult. He forced the little voice in his head, now grown quite a bit larger after the first two laps, that begged him to quit and sit down back into the far back of his head. This was no time for ninnies. Check the floor and walls carefully as we go. As we go more slowly, he meant. There was no need for him to even consider a voice in the thought, however. Hatherley lagged considerably during the lap, forcing Gareth to slow his pace to avoid leaving him behind. The man was an absolute saint sometimes. They almost completed a third circuit before Hatherley found it. Should have been Gareth. It was on his side of the corridor. But the ever-increasing protest from his injured calf had begun intruding ever more steadily into his consciousness until it was all he could do to put one foot in front of the other without breaking down, and to blazes with the makeshift crutch. It had helped at first. Well, hell, it still helped. But the blunt end was beginning to dig into his armpit, something fierce becoming almost as much a source of discomfort as assistance. All that was lost when Hatherley spoke up, though. Well, not most of it. Gareth bit back a curse as he turned to look at a spot in the wall where Hatherley was pointing, and had to admit the revelation hardly suppressed any of his discomfort at all, but at least it provided a distraction. 
At first he couldn't see it. Hatherley was crouched next to the wall, pointing eagerly at a place just an inch above the floor. But there was nothing to see to Gareth's eyes. He was just about to tell Hatherley to stop being a bloody fool when he recalled the carvings in the alcove. He moved backwards, away from Hatherley and whatever he was looking at. Still nothing. Gareth moved again and struck the opposite wall. Nothing. That left just one more thing. He gritted his teeth in anticipation of pain to come and bent his legs, lowering himself into a deep crouch as he could manage, without either passing out from pain or falling over. And then he saw it. It was the same symbol as was on the ceiling of the alcove in the cave, carved into the stone as though by a fine chisel. But it did not come into view until he had lowered his line of sight, which meant it was not a simple carving at all, but some sort of magical sigil, just like in the alcove. Gareth grinned. Well done, Hatherley. He straightened his legs and very nearly fell down. If he had not had the piece of metal, there was no way he would not have. All the same, he had to take a deep breath and force the protest from his injured leg away before he could speak again. What now? Hatherley's triumphant smile faded, and he shrugged. I doubt it functions the same as the sigil in the cave, my lord. Could be this is just a lure to draw us in. A lure leading nowhere? Hatherley inclined his head, conceding the point, in which case it likely marks the location of something important. Thanks for stating the obvious, Gareth did not say. Well, play with it. See if you can get it to do something. Hatherley nodded and turned to the sigil. He began probing it with his fingers, and Gareth winced. That was probably not a good idea. He really should be the one doing this. Stupid leg. Gareth watched his manservant, working on the sigil, impatience born from frustration and embarrassment at his own ineffectiveness growing all the while. Finally, he couldn't contain it anymore. Anything? A slight shrug accompanied Hatherley's response. There appears to be a small protrusion here, near the wolf's snout. Maybe if I press it... Hatherley's hand moved, and there was a loud click that echoed down the hallway. This was either going to be very good or very bad. Gareth would not give odds either way. Gareth found himself counting the seconds as nothing else happened. At ten, though, he began to hear a low rumbling from beneath the floor. It grew louder over the next several seconds, and the floor began to shake slightly. Then, at thirty, the paving stones in the stone floor before he and Hathalie began to rise up. At the same time, the stone ceiling began to pull back, creating an opening above. Finally, the stone's movement stopped, and there was a stone staircase, leading upward, where before there was only the circling hallway. The two men stepped back. Hathalie looked stunned. Gareth had no doubt he looked similarly. Well, Gareth cleared his throat. <clears> that did the trick. Indeed, my lord. I guess this confirms we are in the Necromancer's Tower. Seems we have to go up to get down. Gareth looked up the stairs, then down at his injured leg. This was not going to be easy, but there was no point in dilly-dallying. He took a deep breath and hauled himself up the first step. Let's go. The stairs climbed for what seemed forever, circling in the same manner as the hallway below. After ten steps, Gareth's injured leg was screaming in protest, and he had to sit down to rest before continuing. Hatherley kept a watch, his longsword at the ready, as Gareth worked out the kinks as best he could but it took far too long to get moving again. The necromancer had to know their movements. This was his tower, after all, and he was doubtless preparing the next surprise for them. Gareth half expected to hear footsteps descending toward them at any moment, 
But that did not happen, and after a few minutes, he felt ready to continue upwards. Ten more stairs, and Gareth was sorely tempted to sit down again, but instead he gritted his teeth and pushed on. No need to give the necromancer any more time than necessary. Finally, the staircase ended at a small landing that backed up to a stout wooden door that was reinforced with strips of iron. It was decorated only with an iron ring where a doorknob would be, and a dark iron square in the center of the door at about eye level, which was engraved with the necromancer's wolf and deer seagull. Gareth paused on the landing and looked the door over. Nothing seemed unusual about it, but he had a feeling there was more there than met the eye. Not that anything so far had met with expectations. So why should this door? I wonder what sort of trap the necromancer may have placed here, Hatherley said, echoing Gareth's thoughts. Not sure. Why don't you try it and we'll see? Gareth glanced aside at Hatherley, a teasing smile forming on his lips, in time to see the serving man flinch, then square his shoulders and take a deep breath. He stepped forward toward the door. No, Gareth said forcefully. Goodness, man, I was joking. Hatherley blinked and frowned back at Gareth, his expression one of reproach. Gareth rolled his eyes. One of these days, he was going to figure out the fellow's sense of humor. Someday. Hit it with a piece of wood or something first. Do you have any more torches? Hatherley nodded and pulled off his pack. He rummaged through it for a moment then put it back on, unlit torch in hand. Brace yourself, my lord, he said. Then he reached out and tapped the door with the torch. Nothing happened. The two men exchanged glances, Hatherley's questioning. Gareth shrugged and waved him onward. Hatherley tapped the door again, this time on one of the iron strips. Again, nothing. The same with the iron ring and square. He shrugged again and set the torch down, then reached out and took hold of the ring with his bare hand. Hatherley stiffened and let out a low groan. His body began shaking. Hatherley! Gareth surged forward, ignoring a stab of pain from his leg, and pulled the manservant back. His grip loosened from the door easily, and very quickly he was back out of danger. Are you all right? Concerned, Gareth looked him over, only to find him wearing an impish grin. Pardon, my lord, Hatherley said. Just joking. Dumbfounded, Gareth stared at him in shock for a long moment. Sudden anger conflicted with relief and then finally gave way to wry amusement, and he found himself laughing, his earlier thought about Hatherley's sense of humor returning to mind, ironically. Bloody hell, man, don't do that again. He could not force his tone to sternness, however much he wanted to. Hatherley's smile slipped a bit, and he nodded. At any rate, he said after clearing his throat, the ring does not appear to have any function, my lord. It does not rotate, and would not budge when I pulled on it. Gareth frowned and looked back at the door. His eyes alighted on the iron square and the necromancer's sigil. That must be the key, he murmured, and stepped forward to examine it more closely. The sigil was the same as it had been the last two times. The square of iron plain, unadorned. The sigil was engraved in the iron, but not deeply. Gareth ran his hand over the square and could barely feel the lines of the engraving. He could not see or feel any part of it that stood out in any way, yet it must be there. The previous sigils had pointed the way, this one must as well. Unless this is all some kind of sick joke, designed to keep them running around pointlessly until the necromancer was ready to take them out, or until they died of thirst and hunger. That thought made Gareth's stomach growl. They had eaten through what small morsels they had brought with them during their stay in the cage, and the water flasks were running low as well. The necromancer, if he had been keeping tabs on them, and Gareth was certain that he had, had to know or suspect their state of affairs. Sam, why go all the trouble to killing them, when he could just let nature take care of it for him?
Now's a depressing thought. Is it just me, my lord? Gatherly said from behind Gareth's shoulders. Were the wolf's and deer's eyes a bit larger in this sigil? Gareth did a double-take and peered at the sigil more closely. I'm not sure, I suppose, maybe. What if I... He reached out and touched his fingers to the eyes of both beasts. There was another resounding click, this time from within the door itself. Gareth retreated, as much a retreat as he could manage with his leg, anyway. After several seconds, nothing more happened, and he let out the breath he was holding. If they were lucky, the click was the door's locking mechanism, acting in response to his touching the sigil that way. He did not want to think about what it would be if they were unlucky. Gareth took a few moments to shift his axe into his left hand. It would be of no use trying to wield it in his right, not with the crutch he needed to use. Then he had Hatherly strap the shield onto his right arm. It was an awkward fit, but at least it would offer some small amount of protection. Hatherly prepared himself, drawing steel and getting a good grip on his sword. Then, at a nod from Gareth, he grabbed the ring on the door and pulled. Okay, yeah, I am going to leave it here. Leave you wondering what's behind that door. Uh, because it's a great place to stop. little cliffhanger. Also, from a timing perspective, uh, at this point we're just under 13,000 words in the story, which is a, about 17,000 words long. So that gives us 4,000 words left, which means this episode and the follow-on episode will be a good length and not too long or too short. So we'll go from there. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, and we'll come back next week for more. If you can't wait, by all means... Go pick up the book. Get it from our website. Get it from any ebook store out there. Still haven't done the print version because busy, but I will. And I'll go from there. Uh, yeah, so go by my website if you want to hit me up, uh, send an email, uh, sign up for the mailing list if you want to hear about new releases. Uh, and yeah, you can, again, I'm on Facebook, but I'm never there. Um, yeah, so I, don't, I just haven't gotten around to deleting the page there because I hate Facebook so much. My personal account's gone. and uh, Anyway, I've already talked about that. Um, there might be some marketing value in keeping it, but I despise those the entire concept of it so much that I just can't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, feel free to uh, drop, get in touch if you'd like. Always happy to hear from you folks. Uh, leave comments on the uh, video or the podcast. And of course, like, subscribe, tell all your friends, and we'll see you again next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mailing list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zoggy, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>